This is Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. Your host, Carl Valeri, has over a decade of experience counseling pilots. Aviation Careers Podcast will help you navigate towards your aviation career goal. Here is your host, Carl Valeri. Welcome to the Inspirational, Informational, and Transparent Aviation Careers Podcast. Today, I'm speaking with helicopter pilot Brandy Rector, owner of Skyhunter Outfitters, who's taken her passion for flying helicopters into an industry many of us may never have realized existed. You know, before we begin, though, a quick shout out to our sponsor, PlainEnglishSim.com is our sponsor of the show today, and it's an app-based aviation radio simulator. It's a real easy way to gain proficiency, both VFR and IFR. And Plain English Sim is actually giving away 10 scholarships guides. And for those that don't know, you can find out about our scholarships guide, aviationcareerspodcast.com slash scholarships. We have over $120 million in scholarships, ranging from all different things in aviation, including helicopter scholarships. You can find out how you can get a free guide by going to aviationcareerspodcast.com slash free. Well, on with the show. Joining me today, like I said, is Brandy Rector, who's a helicopter pilot and also the owner of Sky Hunter Outfitters and uh, truly a passionate aviator. Brandy, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you. For, thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah, this is awesome. You know, what? when I saw your bio and I and we talked a little bit offline, it was, uh, it, it was something that kind of shocked me at first because I've never thought of this job that you do. We're going to get to that in a second, though. Uh, so that's a little tease there. The, but, Brandy, you, you are somebody who truly has been uh, through a very diverse uh, background in aviation. You've done so many different things. Uh, so before we talk about actually your job as a helicopter pilot, it was quite the path. So maybe we could talk a little bit about how you came to being a helicopter pilot at such a, and owning a business at such a young age. <laughs> okay. Well, um, I would say I got... I started my aviation career because of the Marine Corps. Um, I had originally went in and I wanted to be an F-18 mechanic because I used to work on cars with my dad. And when I went into the office and they were like, um, yeah, you can just be an aviation mechanic and then you don't get to pick your aircraft. So um, I went to boot camp and then they picked for me. I ended up with the CH-53 Echo, uh, which is perfect because then... I ended up being an aerial gunner and a mechanic and I did quality assurance. Um, so I got to inspect stuff. Uh, when I got out of the Marine Corps, um, I thought I was just going to be a mechanic and carry on because AMPs, there's tons of jobs out there for them. Um, so I got my AMP license and, and, um, I didn't know that the VA would pay for helicopter pilot <laughs> training. And so, um, I found after I worked for Sikorsky for a bit and I found out that, you could get your pilot's license. I was like, okay, that's, I miss being in the air so much. I was like, I miss flying, like even in the, in the back. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I can go fly helicopters. That would be amazing. And I didn't want to fly planes because in my mind, I was like, you know, helicopters can land. We could, we landed anywhere we wanted. As long as you have a big enough area and you're not going to hit something, you can land anywhere. You don't need a runway. And I was like, that's what I want. So I, I found, I applied for St. Louis University's Parks College and I got in and they had a helicopter pilot program with Midwest Helicopter then, which I think they changed their name to North American Helicopter now. And so I went to college. I got hired on the airlines as a mechanic and got my AMP at the same time and then fl started flying helicopters. And 
Um, I was just like, I was in love with it. And so I got through, I became an instructor, but I, I decided that wasn't the path for me. I'm a little bit more of a daredevil than <laughs> that. And I wanted some more excitement. Um, Customs and Border Protection had picked me to, I went and became a federal agent in Air Marine Operations. Um, but that's when my dad got sick. And um, so that didn't <clears throat> pan out. And so um, he ended up getting cancer and was, he'd been fighting it for a long time. He had it, he'd been fighting it for a long time and he just started going downhill. And so, um, after I graduated college and then I was only a CBP for less than a year. And then, um, I flew my dad from Florida to California and put him in the VA hospital and he ended up passing away in February, 2019. And, um, I had just started working with another company as a field mechanic. And I kind of gave all that up after he passed away. <clears throat> and I didn't think I was, I actually gave up aviation altogether for about, uh, maybe, um, eight months or so. I just get, I just didn't want to do it anymore. And I, I didn't care about anything anymore. And I felt like I lost all my passion for everything and all my drive that I had, you know, I had all these big dreams and I just like, I felt like my biggest fan was gone and I didn't know what to do with myself. So, um, after I gave up everything and I stopped with the, I didn't have any income, so I couldn't pay my, my rent and I was trying to cover my dad's mortgage. So I didn't lose his house. And um, I went through all the money. He left me money and all of that went away, like paying all these bills and, and stuff. And I, you know, obviously not caring. So, um, I was homeless. Like I didn't have anywhere to live. I borrowed a horse trailer and I lived in a horse trailer for a couple of weeks with, um, my boyfriend, Mike at the time. And it was just, oh my gosh, it was a disaster. And finally I applied, I started getting my, my dad was very, not hard on me, but he always told me, you know, like you need to work hard. You, you better work for what you want and don't let anybody, you know, tell you otherwise. And so I was one day, it's like, I woke up and I was like, he would be so disappointed in me. And he was always so proud of me. And that's what he told me every day, how proud he was. And he would, I was like, he would be so disappointed in me. if He knew that I just gave up everything that I loved I have a degree in, you know, aeronautics with a focus in aviation management. And I graduated with honors and I had, you know, I'm a helicopter instructor. I'm an, a licensed AMP mechanic. I have all these things and I gave it all away because, and he would just be so upset with me. And so I um, applied at General Atomics uh, for, as I knew some uh, uh, Marines that had been there and they said they could help me. I applied, I got um, a job as a sensor operator on UAVs. And, um, they put me up in a hotel. And so I had a place to stay. I started, you know, with my saving money and putting money away. And, um, and so I was there for a year in a hotel and different hotels. I went to Utah and California and back. And, um, and then things just kind of started getting better until COVID. And then I got laid off, but I was like, it didn't matter. I was like, I have goals. I have plans. I'm not giving up now. And I, um, we moved to Texas. Mike's family lives in Texas. So we're like, let's move to Texas. It's a better way, you know? And I, I found out about helicopter hog hunting and I was like, I want to do that. So I put it out there and I reached out on, I am a lot of network, like networking is very important. I have a lot of networks and like military Marines specifically, um, helicopter pilots and, um, whirly girls is women 
helicopter pilots and women in aviation and I'm a women in aviation maintenance. I'm a part of all these groups. And I just put out there, like, I need a job. Like, can, um, I want to do helicopter hog hunting. Who does that? <laughs> and so um, I got reached out and um, somebody connected me with Chris who owned Sky Hunters. And he was looking for a pilot because he started a job flying air medical. And he was, he ta- I talked to him on the phone and he's like, okay, you start in January. And this was in November. And so we bought a house. Everything was going good. Um, fixed my credit. That was important. <laughs> and I started flying for him in January. And we fl- I flew for him for about a month. And we talked about me buying the company from him. And um, I, I never thought about owning a company. So I was kind of like, well, I can do this, you know. And I, I was, you know, if you can do it, I can do it. <laughs> like, and I've always been that way. Like, I can do this too. And so um, I we talked about it. Well, he, you know, he's busy with his stuff and he, there was some, um, trying to get things put together. And finally he was like, if you want it and you can buy it now. And I'm like, really? Like take it over right now, middle of the season. And he said, yeah. And I was like, he's, I'm throwing you to the wolves kind of. And I was like, well, I only, I work best under pressure, so let's do it. (laughs) So, you know, and uh, Hey, in the Marine Corps, if I can run a shop with 70 guys and 16 aircraft, I was like, I think I can handle this. (laughs) So, um, I, jumped both feet in. I'm like, I got to take a risk. And and it was a big risk. It was very nerve wracking, jumping into a company and learning it at the same time, what I need to do, all my rules and regulations, holy crap with the game wardens and the landowners. And it's a lot, but I was like, you have to, sometimes you have to take some risk that make you uncomfortable in order to get somewhere. And I said, okay, I'm going to do it. And so I jumped in and here we are. Like I've been doing it for about a month and I, I got like a whole month of March completely booked and just from marketing and like putting my name out there and like, Hey guys, I'm, I'm new veteran owned, you know, and, and I'm the only female doing this. And so, um, it's been awesome. So, and then now here I am. So I went from like a year and we're talking that whole story. I just told you, my dad passed away February of 2019. I was start, I became homeless in like August of 2000, August, September, 2019 to living in a hotel until August, almost a year. I was in a hotel August when I got laid off. And then that, and then I was homeless for a little bit. And so I've only, this is, we're talking like four months, <laughs> four, five, five months ago, I was homeless. <laughs> and now um, I own a business. Oh, and I got accepted into Georgetown university. I applied for my master's degree in intelligence and because I had applied with the FBI, who selected me, and I'm in the final hire, or the final interview process with them when this whole company felt like kind of fell in my lap. But um, I'm going to Georgetown, and I'm I finished my fall semester. I'm in my spring semester, and I'm I have so far I have all A's and a B. <laughs> so um, so here we are. So I go to college full time. I'm trying to run this business, and getting all of my life back in order. <laughs> but yeah. Now, Brandy, I tell you, having, it, it seems there was, just listening to your story, it, it's, it's, it's exhilarating, it's inspiring. And uh, one of the things that, that stood out about what you were talking about, and congratulations, by the way, on, on everything you've done. Uh, and I think it's terrific. But there was something that resonated, and I hear from listeners a lot, is 
I hear always people will come and say, I can't do this. And there's no jobs out there. There's, uh, and we're going through a tough time right now, but you hear you actually had a trigger and it was inspired by your father to turn life around and move forward. And a lot of times I'd love to hear your advice on this, but when you're down there in the, in the muck and you have a choice, you can either stay there or pick yourself up and get out and you picked yourself up. There's some people out there that are thinking, gosh, I don't think I can do it. I mean, what what would you tell somebody like that that is was in that same it is in that same situation that you're in? Doesn't think they can get out. Well, okay. Well, what my dad used to tell me was you better pull your bootstraps up and get your focus and start chasing after what it is that you want and don't stop. So it was hard. Trust me, I like because I didn't I lost a support system. Like I, um, I have some half siblings, um, and I rarely talk. I don't get to talk to them very much. Um, and my mom passed away 10 years ago. She passed away the day I was graduating combat training from the Marine Corps. And my grandparents have all since passed. I haven't had a grandparent since the year my mom died was my grandma died the same year. And so that's it. I'm, and I thought I lost my support system was my dad. He was my, he was my constant, the one that I knew I could turn to if I needed something. If I, like, I, I knew that if I was ever down, like I would never be homeless. I would never be without food. And I'd all, if he'd always support me and give me money, you know, if I'm like, dad, you know, you know, I can't make you know my car payment or I can't do this. Like I need your help. I knew I had that help when I didn't have it anymore was when it was like this reality hit me in the face that I, like I'm alone. Like I better figure this out. And I like I'm and I, and like you just kind of draw it in. Like I know what I'm capable of, and I've been through this. You know, I've deployed twice. I've done this on my own. And and um, I, yes, it was a big hit to lose him, but I knew like he raised me to like I knew I had it in me, kind of thing. And then he would tell me whenever I was down and out and something was hard, or I'd call him and say I didn't think I could do it. Like when I was doing all that training and I was in school and working a full time job and trying to do all that and learn to fly helicopters and you know everything I was doing, I, I would call him sometimes and go, "Dad, this is so hard. I don't think I can do it anymore. Like I'm at a breaking point. I'm gonna lose my mind." You know, and he would tell me. Oh, you better get your mind right, you know. And he was very like, "Stop that! Stop that whining! It's all in your head. You're not stressed out. I don't like that word, you know." And he, and you pull, and he pull your bootstraps up. You got cowgirl up. You got this, you know. And he would just keep pushing, like, "Okay, Daddy, you're right. I got this. You're right. I can do this." And then I just had to keep, t- and then I just didn't have him anymore to tell me that. So I had to figure that out on my own and tell myself that. Cause he wasn't the one doing it for me anymore. And I'm like, Brandy, <laughs> like having these self talks, like, it's okay. Get it together. You can do this. I've done it before. Just focus. <laughs> and, and then laugh in my head when I would be like, pull your bootstraps up and cowgirl up. <laughs> and so, yeah, that's how I just had to fight through. <laughs> so you, and you were able to take that, that internal voice and, and make it through, you know, obviously the help from your, your dad and, and everybody else. Um, but you formulated this in your, in your mind and you were able to move forward, which I think is important that people realize that. And, and I had a good support. Like my, I was dating Mike, who is a retired Marine and he came in right at that right time where I was trying to figure this out and what am I going to do? And it was almost like, it was perfect timing. And I had like all of a sudden like, okay, 
Brandy, you got to figure this out. And then he was there standing behind me, like, go, go. Like, you know, like sometimes you do need that push and you need to talk to yourself. And even if it's just one person that is going to back you and it's you and them against the world, it's, and then you have yourself and you get your mind right, then you focus and you just push through and it's like, okay, we can do this. You're right. Okay. We got this, you know, push me. Okay. I got it. You know? And, um, that was hard. It was really hard. Like there's a few times I'm like, no, I can't do this. I can't do it. It's so hard. Like I don't, I don't care anymore. And then it it was, yeah, it was a difficult push. But you did push and you made it through Mm -hmm. and, and now you own this sky hunter outfitters and you're doing hog hunting from there. And, uh, it's really, it's really fascinating, but, um, there's other people out there I'm sure that are wondering, um, how, how difficult it was to become a helicopter pilot and, uh, and how, and, and in your role, you're saying the first female that's doing what you're doing. So obviously there might be some challenges if there's, uh, females listening right now that want to do this, that want to pursue the world of helicopter flying, what kind of advice would you give to them? Yeah. Well, I don't, I will say, I'm not sure that I'm the one only female hog hunter that's done it. I know right now I've Googled all the, all the hog hunting around. And uh, as far as I know them, the only one doing it in this moment, um, unless they're out there and they're not advertising, (laughs) but um, uh, becoming a helicopter pilot, was difficult. I think it might've been a little bit easier for me because of my background in the maintenance side. I knew how helicopters flew. I understood theory of flight already. Um, I've been, I've been up in the air a lot, you know, I had a lot of hours and so that part was easy, but I can put myself back when, you know, I hadn't, I didn't, I'm like, what's a 53? What is that? You know, I'd never even been in a helicopter. I didn't know anything. I'd never been around aviation. And, um, I would say there's a lot of girls I've met that, and I love doing, um, they, Worldly Girls does it, give it a whirl. And they bring little girl, they, the young girls and boys out at, to try to inspire young girls to want to go fly helicopters because there's a lot, it, you don't see it a lot in the industry. And I know that I'm pretty sure we're at 3%. Helicopter pilot, female helicopter pilots are at like 3%. Um, so there's not a whole lot of us out there and it can be difficult because it's been such a male dominated and it's been, being a mechanic. Oh Lord. Like I was the only female mechanic at trans States airlines. Like when I showed up, they'd had one prior, but when I was there, I was the only one on three heavy check lines. And so I under that is, it can be hard. Um, you have to realize it's a different world that you're coming into and you have to have some thick skin and not be offended. I, I, I've, I feel like I've said this a lot, getting offended. You shouldn't even, that should not that offend. The word offended shouldn't be in your vocabulary. It, like there's lines. Yes. You can draw that. You're like, Hey, you stand your ground and don't allow you to don't be walked on and, you know, be a strong female. Um, and, but don't, you don't need to be offended to get anywhere. Um, I think some people use that, um, a little bit much, I think that um, you can still be really strong and w- put somebody in their place, you know, and not, it doesn't have to be offended. Just be like, Hey, I don't think so, you know, <laughs> and be strong and know what you want and go after it and, and work hard to get there. Sometimes I was told by when I was in the Marine Corps, I'll never forget my first deployment. Um, I was the only female air crew 
on the first appointment. And uh, I had a sergeant tell me that um, because I was a female, he said that I would have to work twice as hard to get half as far as my male counterpart. And that stuck with me. That was 2009. (laughs) And clearly that has stuck with me this whole time. I don't agree. I don't think that that is something to agree with. But I do think that you have to remember that we're such a small minority that everything you do is highlighted. So be the bigger person, be strong, put like, tell it how it is, put people in their place when you need to. And don't be the one that gives like, all it takes is one female to do something that is a little ridiculous. And now all of a sudden we're all bad. And it's as easy as that. I don't agree with it, but that's how it is. And you need to understand it coming into this. So then you take a different approach, be the, you know, be, be strong and stand, stand up to them and be like, no, listen, sorry. (laughs) I'm just as qualified as you. (laughs) I can do it just as good. So um, that's kind of my outlook on it. And I tell girls that are asking me about being a pilot or be even being a mechanic. I'm like, you better be tough because it's going to be challenging and you might get your feelings hurt, but just keep pushing and you'll earn respect. And when, when they realize that you're good and that you're still working hard, then you start earning respect. And now these guys become like your brothers or your big brothers. And now they're looking out for you, but it's just the way the industry is. There's not very many of us. So you have to get there and don't expect because you're a female that all of a sudden it's either going to be easier or that you're somehow entitled to something. I don't believe that. I think you better figure out how to work hard and prove your, you do have to prove yourself as much as you may not like it. That is the way that it is. And that's what you need to expect going into it. And my dad always told me like, like you better. And he was fine when I would, I'd call my dad and be like, dad, these guys are so mean to me. (laughs) Like they don't want anything to do with me. And he's like, well, prove them wrong. And that was how he taught me to be. So that's my views on it. Some people aren't going to agree with that, but my views are prove them wrong and work hard, stay late, show up early, you know, take the job that nobody wants and, you know, do the, the hard part. And then, then you get there and then they're like, oh, okay she's serious. Cause it's kind of like we do, we do have to prove it and that's fine. You prove away. Cause I, I've met plenty of guys now and I've taught and I've changed their minds, <laughs> you know, like, Oh, okay. Yes. You guys aren't so bad. <laughs> so that advice I think works for everybody, but uh, you know, when you're talking, one of the things that I'm trying to envision is, is there a lot of stress that's involved with having that environment where you're, it seems to me that might put a lot of stress on certain people. It seems like you have been able to deal with it fairly well, standing your ground say, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm just as good as you, that kind of thing. Uh, and, uh, and just show them through your, the results and your actions. Um, do you feel that that has, is there, do you feel people are under stress because of this, uh, especially females? And how do you, how do you deal with that? I, no, I definitely think it will make or break you. And I, there is an unwarranted stress that is put on females that <clears throat> isn't exactly fair. Um, but my views on it, the only, and I'm, I'm telling you, it's, it's probably because my mom was a very strong woman and she didn't, she was, she just was. And there, I've, I was never raised where I was told like, well, oh, honey, you know, you're a girl, you know, you need to be like soft or treated a certain way. Like I wasn't raised that way. So I don't have those outlook or those views. I have met females in the Marine Corps, out of the Marine Corps, 
that will say there's no way that they could do it. It's, it is tough and you, it's hard. <laughs> like, and it can be very, very stressful. Um, and you know, in the military being a mechanic. And I know at one point I was the only female in there and you're around guys all the time. And it eventually like kind of almost like changes your thought process a little bit. Um, I going into it, it was like culture shock, like, Oh God, you know, <laughs> this is all men. <laughs> I'm the only girl. Like, what do I do? And God, and they will flat tell you like, go, go ahead and cry. Watch what happens, you know? And then there's no crying. <laughs> like, don't ever cry. Don't complain. Cause then it's just, you're that female. And so I just, I, and plus my dad would have told me, yeah, right. Go ahead and cry. And my dad was not, he didn't baby me by any means. Like there's no crying <laughs> and just suck it up and just keep going. Um, so I do think there is a lot of stress and it is, if you have to be cut out for it, like everybody's cut out for different positions and different things, you, you, it's pretty tough. And I wouldn't say, I would never tell somebody this is easy. Yes, please go be a female helicopter pilot or go be a female mechanic. <laughs> yeah, that's easy. No, it's not. It is not easy. <laughs> you will be put to the test and your, everything will be tested. Trust me. <laughs> so. so do you think that things have changed? I mean, I look at, you know, my wife was in military aviation in the 80s. That's a long time ago. And you would think that things have, have changed. Uh, but it, if we look at it, it seems like there are certain things that may not have. But I have a, I'm one of these optimists. I have a positive outlook. I think things are changing, just not as fast as I would have hoped. I think that it depends on what you do. Um, I know like avionics females in the Marine Corps that their shop was different and their culture was a little bit different. Like, and there was a couple of them in there. So, you know, and, and it just kind of depends what you do and where you are. So some females I've spoken, I'm in a female Marines group. Some of them are like, you know, I haven't had any issues, you know, no, I'm fine. You know, this is great. But then there's some that are like, uh, no, because it's a male dom. It, it's always been male dominated. So pe- girl, females that do admin, that's there's more females than males, or it's equal. Um, I was a flight line mechanic. I worked on, you know, engines and gearboxes and rotor. How many females? There's not that many. <laughs> so it's kind of it's a lot different. And then helicopter pilots. I think. Um, I knew, I think I only really knew two or three in the Marine Corps that were female. I hadn't met one in my squadron until towards the end. So, but I met some of the best female pilots I have ever met in the Marine Corps. And, um, and then that, and they, and I did, I thought about them when I was like, you know, that would be, I could do this. And they're an inspiration and, and they're the best, some of the best pilots I've ever met. And, um, and there's a lot of guys that respect them, but it's just, there's just so rare. And so when you're, when you're such a minority and there's guys that have never worked with a female mechanic, there's guys that have never flown with a female pilot. So then it's almost like you have to change their mind every time. So like every time you go somewhere and it's like, here we go again, you're starting over because they've never been around a female. And so that's kind of where it comes in hard because there's just not that many of us. So how do we get them in the industry? I don't know. I've heard this argument. I go to Heli Expo. I've been to Heli Success, you know, and Whirly Girls. I've spoken with them. Like, how do we get more of us? And I guess just spread the word that, hey, we're out there and you can do it. <laughs> and, you know, you don't have to. I had, I actually had a female tell me I was too pretty to be a pilot. 
and a mechanic. I almost like fell over that a female even said that to me. <laughs> like, what? And she was like, you're never going to be taken seriously. And I'm like, you're the reason why females of all kinds don't want to join because you have a stigma. And I don't know where that came from, but you can't think that way. Anybody can do it. I don't care if you like to get your hair done and your nails done every Tuesday. You can still go work on an aircraft or you can go be a pilot. You can go do that. <laughs> so it's like you think you can't because you like frilly things or you're girly or your favorite color is pink. It doesn't matter. You don't have to be a tomboy to go do what we do. There's some beautiful pilots that I've met that with the Whirly Girls and everywhere. And I'm like, that doesn't matter. <laughs> so, But you have females that have the stigma too. So it's not just the men that are like, uh, what are you doing? It's women too that it's like you got to change their mind that anybody can do it. And it's awesome. Go try it. If you like, if you're not scared of heights, go. I was actually scared of heights growing up. And I didn't think I could do oh, it. I got, I got in a helicopter and the Marine Corps, I was like, I'm going to try this, you know? And I, and I did, I got in. I'm like, Oh my God, I love this. And then you fall in love. You don't know until you try it. So don't ever mark something off because you haven't tried it. Just go try it. And the worst you could say is, okay, I don't like this. And, or you fall in love, you find a new love. That's important. Yeah. And it sounds like you have, you know, Going back to what you were saying as far as what we can do to get more women involved, you're doing it, uh, I think, just by by example. And I think going back to your the examples you used, there was other females that you saw that were mentors or you looked up to. And, uh, and the more that we have, like yourself, uh, I think more and more people will look and say, hey, I can do this too. Uh, and I think that's really important what you're doing. Uh, and I think uh, personally, I feel that's a great way to, to get more females or in any, any you know, minority involved in aviation. Uh, and I think it's happening. Like I said, I, I see it uh, at the college. I mean, I coach a flight team where uh, we have multiple females on the team that are in leadership positions. And uh, and I always tell people the airplane has no idea, you know, what the color of skin you are, you have or, or what what race or what gender or or what your preference on ice cream is. I mean, it doesn't care. Yeah. You know, the airplane is, is going to fly the same. And uh, it's the person behind the. You know, the, the, I, the I, I had an instructor. My instructor, one of my instructors was a female and we became best friends. She is an amazing pilot. And she actually was like, you know, flying with females on, when you fly the controls of a helicopter, it takes finesse. There is no jerking the controls. It's not muscling them. There is finesse behind it. And she actually taught me and told me, you know, females are usually, no offense to the guys, but we can be better pilots in that sense because we're, we naturally usually are softer and like a little bit easier. And we think we're more strategic when we think about the controls, but there, I mean, don't get me wrong. There's some awesome, amazing guy pilots, but that's something to think about. Like with a helicopter, it, it's finesse. Like you're not jerking, you're not muscling it. It doesn't matter how many muscles you have, you're controlling it, you know, gently. And so I think a lot of females or like girls, like they don't think that they think you have to be a man and you have to be manly to do it. That is not true. <laughs> like that trust. It's like you fly with your fingertips and it's controlled. So I think that that, and getting them in the air and letting them see it. And I think that girls are, they, they do, they fall in love with it and they want to do that. And it's not a manly thing. Like you can be, it doesn't matter. <laughs> so right. Right. Sure. And that's important. 
Yeah, it's funny the the helicopter, especially you know when you hit that, you get that hover button, as they say. It's it, it is just uh, moving your fingertips. It's not not moving much at all, um, and it's all it's all in your head too. I mean that's that's the thing, and and that's what's really important in flying in general. Um, it's not like you said. It's not you know using the muscles. It's using your brain and using that finesse. You know, speaking of the flying, and I guess we'd have to also kind of make a talk a little about the positives. You know, what are the things that you really like about this job? Like, especially the job you have now, what, what's your, your, say your favorite part and the things that you wake you up in the morning and say, Hey, I, I can't wait to go to work. Well, honestly, the favorite, my most favorite part is I get, I get to meet some of the most awesome people I've ever met. Like they are amazing people and you get to talk to them. And, um, I actually really enjoy that part of it. And then, the other thing that I love so much about doing what I'm doing is there is, I kind of don't, I can kind of fly however I want and you fly low and you're in that like height velocity diagram and you're, you know, right. You're always in that, um, like the, like, you're almost like hovering in the sky all the time. Right. So you, it's a, it's a little bit more of a rush because you're flying like on the edge of the limits all the time, you know, and you're low or you're fast, you're really slow. Um, and so the, I don't like the airport flying, the takeoff, go around the pattern, land, takeoff, go around the pattern. That gets kind of boring. And my dad was like, you know, you're never happy unless you're going hundred miles an hour with your hair on fire. And that is kind of how I live, live my life a little bit. You know, I like the excitement it's a lot of fun. The hunters get so excited when you find the hogs and, and you're like chasing them and you're getting like treetop and then down in the field and, and you know, you're all over the place and that's a completely different type of flying. And one of the other things that I've always wanted to do that I may actually eventually do is I would like to, um, fly like search and rescue and search and rescue sounds amazing. I would even do fire but I've always wanted to do search and rescue because I want to be the, I want to find them. And, you know, and I like, I want to look and I want to do the low flying and I want to get people to safety. And I like, I really enjoy that part. And it's, it's just a lot of fun. It's not the typical, some people do like the, you know, take off land and fly, you know, a thousand feet, you know, (laughs) and like very, but me on the other hand, I'm kind of like, I want to go fast or I want to be looking or I want to, you know, be involved and I want to be more active and with the controls than just kind of take off land. So I kind of like the excitement of it a lot better. And the people are so amazing (laughs) and they have, so when they have fun, I have fun. If I can't find those hogs, I am stressed out. It is stressing (laughs) me out. I am over there like, Oh God, you know, where can they be? And I'm searching and I'm looking and, you know, and I want everybody to have a good time. I'm a people pleaser. So I'm like, I want everybody to have a fun and have a good time. And, and I love this. I'm getting, I'm going to get to give back to veterans and I donated, you know, I donated a flight to them and I want to make an annual veteran event. It was Mike's idea. And it's a, it, like an annual event where veterans can come out and they get to get in the helicopter and do crazy stuff. Like they get to fly and they feel it and everybody loves it. And um, that's what I really want. I wanted to be able to do that when I figured out I was going to own a company was I want to give back. I'm not trying to do it to get rich. I do it because I enjoy it. And like, you know, my 
hear my dad again, all these quotes are in my head. You know, if you love what you're doing, you're never going to work a day in your life. And I do. I love it. And it's fun. Um, sometimes it's really stressful, but it's fun. And I can, I'm not trying to be rich on it. I want to enjoy my myself, have fun, meet awesome people, and then give back to veterans. Like I want to help them. I want to get, let people, this is on people's bucket list. People tell me all the time, helicopter hog hunting is on my bucket list. Like I would love to do it. And, um, and I want to be that person that gets to help them, you know? You know, now that you said that, I don't think we've we've explained to people what what it is your your business does because uh, and it, the concept, yes, I guess in our mind is one thing, uh, but what is hog hunting from the helicopter? <laughs> uh, well, um, Texas has a feral hog problem, and it is tear. You got to see it from the sky. It tears up these. I have farmers call me. Like they are tearing up my land. I spend thousands of dollars a year. They destroy equipment. I didn't even know that. I actually didn't know that they could destroy equipment. They destroy their equipment. Um, they destroy their fields. They plant. Some of them can't even plant um, corn and hay anymore. So they've switched to cotton because they don't tear it up as bad. But um, they like they're losing livelihood, and, and then it, and there I go again. Like I want to help them, so I want to be oh, like, okay, I will give me your, you know, give me a rights to your land. I will fly it until every hog is gone, you know, because they are destroying it. And I've I had a veterinarian fly with me and tell me that feral hogs are like overgrown rats, and you don't want to eat them. They smell awful. They're not like a boar. It's worse. I guess you could eat them, some people, but. I, everybody I've talked to that actually is on the ground is like, no, we don't eat those. They're, they're terrible. Um, they destroy things. They destroy habitats, um, for other wildlife. Um, you, it, they look like, um, little landmines go have gone off at they'll and they can destroy an entire two, 300, 500 acre farm almost overnight. It's insane. I like I'll fly one day and the next day I go out and they just destroyed all of their farm. I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, and I feel terrible. So basically, you know, I get hunters in there. We have some ARs and we shoot two, two, three, and I um, I take them out and we um, I go searching for them in areas and around areas that they're destroying and push them out and they um, they end up shooting them. We don't pick them up. I leave them on the ground. Um, but I'm trying, I'm actually trying to get a government contract because they do government contracts as well to help try to eradicate them because of the amount of damage that they cause and like millions of dollars in damage for tons of people and like putting out, putting them out of business basically. So it's like, it's a big problem. And some people don't understand that. And they think that we're just out there, you know, fish in a barrel. Um, no, <laughs> not exactly. And they want them eradicated. So it's either that or the farmers catch them in pens and go out there and pop, 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 shoot them, or they poison them. And then like, you know, there's a lot of, it, it, we're not, and I, I never will take farm or the hunters out. And if they shoot the hogs, I would never let them sit and suffer. Like, I don't believe in that. So I'll go back and like, Hey, but do some headshots, make sure they're dead. I don't want them laying here suffering or bleeding out. That's horrible. But 
in my mind, I'm like, we're helping farmers, you know, like at first it was kind of hard to take because I've never been hunting. And I saw all of a sudden like, oh God, we're shooting these things running across the ground. It was hard to take it first. And then, but when I started seeing what they were doing and then the farmers that are like, oh, thank you, you know, thank you, you're saving my family. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I'm doing a good thing. And it made me feel better about the whole thing. And you know, and then of course I don't let them suffer or anything, but, and, and then we do actually go after coyotes as well because coyotes kill animals, um, like the farmer's calves, baby cows, they'll go kill the baby cows. They kill their dogs. They, they kill their chickens. They're laying, like sheep, everything. So the coyotes are a big problem. And these are some big coyotes in Texas. I had never seen anything like it until I saw these and they made my 110 pound German shepherd look small. So they're humongous and they're a problem. And so that's another thing that Texas allows you to just kill. You don't have to have a hunting license for a coyote or a feral hog. That's how bad of a problem they are. Yeah. And from what I've read there, uh, and they're considered invasive species, the, uh, the, you know, the hogs and, uh, the feral hogs. And, uh, it's something that's been difficult to eradicate. This is another, another way, uh, they're providing a service. Uh, and I, I know there's people out there that, that aren't big hunters, but still it's, it's pretty, uh, exciting to be able to do this type of flying, but there's many other things you can do flying helicopters. So like you said, search and rescue, et cetera, but what a, it, it's a, it's a, a business I'm assuming that goes, uh, is it all year long or is there a certain season some um, some companies out west that don't have as many trees, it's more deserty, they can go year-round. Um, right now, I can only really go from January, which is like right after deer season, because I don't want to affect the deer season. So January to about May 1st, because that's about when all the foliage, you know, trees are blooming and everything. And once that happens, you kind of can't see them anymore anyway. So you can't find them in the, they, they like to run the riverbeds and Creek beds and um, with the trees. So when everything blooms, you can't really see them anymore. So um, that's why I stop around May 1st. Um, but other companies, like I said, will go longer. Interesting. So, you know, and we wish you luck with the business. I know you're going to do well uh, because you do have the right attitude. And, uh, you know, a lot of people are thinking they want to go out and work for somebody as a helicopter pilot. And you've uh, you've done that, but you've also gone and owned the business. And now you're the employer and, and you're the person that's out, out there doing both the, the flying and also all the rest of the work, you know, the, the book work, et cetera. Well, there's a lot of groundwork. Mike, Mike runs all that. He does my briefings. He cleans the weapons. He loads the magazines. He does all that part because then while he's doing that, you know, I'm fueling up and getting ready to, and I pre-flight and I get the helicopter ready. He gets to make sure all the hunters are good. You know, the weapons are ready to go and gets them in their harnesses, gets them in the aircraft. He gets the cameras on the aircraft because I put GoPros on there because people want to see the footage. Um, so we do that and, it's pretty exciting. I have some big plans, you know, with the expansion and aerial gunnery. I think that is amazing. And a lot of people want it, people that don't hunt would still love to shoot a shoot out of a helicopter. So I'm trying to expand my base of who I provide for. Some people have asked me, can I just get a tour? So I'm looking into tours as well. I don't know what we would tour yet, but <laughs> um, there's a lot of options that you can do. Um, if I get a 135, you can charter people, pick them up at the airport, bring them over. So there's a, it's like the sky's the limit. <laughs> so there's a lot of options out there. Um, and that's, I'm just, I'm not stopping at just being a helicopter pilot for them. So 
Not awesome. Just how, and I'm not doing just hugs. I'm trying to expand and do some more. Great. And, and hats off to you for doing that and thinking, uh, being so forward thinking. Uh, for those that are listening uh, that are interested in becoming a helicopter pilot, we'll have some links below. But you had mentioned some organizations uh, that were uh, female oriented. We've had people that have been involved in Whirly Girls. I think you mentioned one, Women in Aviation, of course. Uh, did you mention any others? And we'll have them in the show notes. Um, for pilots, um, the, well, for pilots, the ones that I am, it's definitely whirly girls and women in aviation. Um, there's the lady aviators one. And then, um, in maintenance, there's a WAM. So women, yeah, women in aviation maintenance. Um, and then I'm also thinking like, I, if there's anybody, they can reach out to me at any time and I will help mentor. Um, I can give, I can put them in networks. Um, I don't, you know, I'm always willing to help in any way I can. And I would even offer like, let them come out and see. And I fly a Bell 206, uh, long ranger, which is not your typical R44, which is what usually the other R66, I know the other, my competition, if you will, <laughs> they're flying those. Um, the Bell 206 is a turbine and um, it's hard to get turbine hours as a helicopter pilot. And anybody will tell you that. And so like, I even am trying to look into helping get like, if I, I can do the tours or help anybody that's looking to try to get some turbine hours, I like I am an instructor, or if you're already a licensed pilot, um, and you just need some time, I'm looking into what my regular what the regulations would be for that to happen. Because like, I have the helicopter, I already lease it and pay the insurance on it. And so we can go fly around and get some time, you know, and I have to ferry it back and forth to get maintenance done. So I'm trying to I'm just trying to help anybody like I know how, it was hard. <laughs> and it's not easy. And you got to build time and it's expensive. And so um I'm, I'm just, I want to help. Like I would have loved the opportunity for somebody to offer it to me. So I want to be able to offer it to other people as well. So, um, and the mentorship, I would do that in a heartbeat. Never know. You might have a flight school too, but, uh, for those that are looking into finding out more, uh, we'll actually feedback at aviationcurspodcast.com. We'll send it all over to Brandy. Also, we're going to have some links to, uh, Instagram account that she has, uh, and also obviously skyhunters.com, sky-hunters.com and the YouTube channel. Check that out there. And, uh, that'll be in the show notes. Um, but most importantly, I think, uh, you know, before we, we knock off here, uh, just realize that if you are somebody that's had a lot of adversity in life, I think using Brandy as an example of somebody who's been able to thrive through adversity, uh, you might think you can do it too. And I think that's important. If you're listening right now is realize that, you know, she can do it I, and you can do it too. I mean, that that's, that's one of the, the big messages just from your story that, that has been so inspirational to me. And also I think to a lot of the listeners here. So I really appreciate that Brandy. Oh yeah, of course. And please call or reach out and I'm, I, I can give some good motivational speeches. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. We, need. We're going to, we're going to take you up on that again. You can find her online and, uh, and, and the biggest thing is sky hunters and also the Instagram accounts. And, uh, and again, Brandy, thanks so much for being here. I really appreciate it. 
And if you're listening right now and you want to find out more information, like I said, go to the links in the show notes. Uh, email, obviously, feedback at aviationcareerspodcast.com. But one thing I want you to do if you're listening is don't stop right now. Um, if you're going to turn this off and, and kind of move on and move away uh, and think, oh, that's not something I can do, I, I challenge you to try. I challenge you to don't stop. Take action today. It might be something small. It might be just writing down a note and telling yourself, hey, I'm going to research this. I'm going to look up the website. I'm going to look at the show notes here. I'm, maybe I'm going to call a friend. I'm going to ask them questions about it. I might get involved in one of these organizations. But the most important thing you can do for me, don't stop. Take one step today to move forward in your career and your life. We'll talk to you next episode and safe flying You have been listening to Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. This aviation podcast is produced by the Valeri Aviation Corporation. Although host or guests may receive compensation for products and services discussed in this podcast, compensation never influences our opinion. Before purchasing any product or service, you should always do your own research. 